At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Just in and so good. Thousands of spring deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save big today on new arrivals from Kate Spade, New York, Nike, Sam Edelman, Free People, and Madewell. Starting at only $30. Great brands and great prices on dresses, denim, sandals, designer bags, and more. So rack your look and get first dibs on spring styles you want now from just $30 at your Nordstrom Rack Store. What will you find? It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. At only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Player of the Week coming up later in the episode. All right, everyone, welcome on to Hollinger and Duncan. You're joining us on Locker Room. We're going to do the pod for about an hour, and then we'll take some speaker requests at the end. So you can throw those in now if you want. They'll be answered in the order in which they've been received. Uh, So... Man, I mean, what a week it's been since uh, that incredible Dame Lillard performance. Oh, wait, that was last night? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> quite, quite a morning oh, here. Man. Well, so uh, I just we haven't talked at all. I haven't had a chance to read anything that you've written, if anything, on this upheaval in the Boston coaching and front office. But what were your initial thoughts uh, when you heard that news? So I've been hearing stuff about the Ainge part for for several weeks. So that part didn't shock me that much. Um, the part that really shocked me was that they were moving Stevens up. Uh, one, because he's one of the best coaches, right? So now you create a vacancy there. And then two, obviously, he's never been a he's never worked in the front office before. So there's presumably going to be a learning curve there for him. Not to say that he can't do it, but uh, he's definitely unproven in that capacity, certainly. So uh, that that was a big surprise on that front. And it really begs the question of where is Boston heading and what is their financial capability in the next couple seasons? Because you wonder if one of the reasons that both do something else because uh, uh, what is ownership's commitment level to spend tax next year with this team? Because if, if they're not willing to go 15 million over, they're not going to have much of a team, right? It's going to be Tatum and Brown and not much else. So I, I wonder how much that played into both of those decisions. Yeah, and I know uh, there's some reporting as well about Ainge being really, really close to Ryan Smith and perhaps uh, Ainge being from Utah, all the connections that he has to that state uh, that maybe uh, speculating that there could be something there as well. Um, yeah, and yeah. the other thing that really surprised me about it, because I, I woke up, you know, I was up late last night recording uh, after that crazy game. I and so I didn't wake up until about like an hour ago. As so I was sort of like scrolling back through reading it, and I'm like, Man, yeah. So it's like a so so it's like a regular day for you. <laughs> no, I got up about a, ha- a half hour later actually than I normally do. Okay. I mean, right. is is okay. 9:30 okay. a ridiculous time to get up for for someone with with no children? 
I'm just, I'm on the West Coast. Like, it annoys me because, like, people, because, like, when people on the East Coast have, like, some sort of business they want to conduct with me, I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm available uh, after uh, 1230 your time. And I, I think they're, like, you know, they probably think I'm, like, really lazy. I'm like, dude, I work until, like, midnight every night. Like, g- give me a break, man. I need, I'm not going to go to bed immediately the moment I'm done. All right, anyway. Uh, the thing that I, that was surprising to me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's done this rant before that the surprise to me is like why is it so important that if brad stevens doesn't want to be the coach anymore that like he has to stay in the organization as an executive like where is the evidence that he's a good executive particularly i think also you know if i were austin ainge or mike zarin you know and maybe who knows maybe austin ainge will go wherever danny ainge goes uh next if if danny right, Ainge does go right. somewhere next to as well but uh you know they have people in the organization that have been there forever that are very well respected and to just have brad mm-hmm. stevens all of a sudden be elevated above them is a little interesting to me um I agree but with that. you know maybe that's why they feel that brad you know is just a really good people person and and kind of you know overall executive and maybe he won't be as involved in some of the day-to-day like you know salary cap type of stuff and you know it's easier to do this with brad stevens when you have that experienced staff in place of people who have been there for a long time but it's also it's it's a little bit weird and i guess there's like you know brad is just so awesome we gotta keep him in the organization and he probably obviously has, has a great relationship with ownership if they want him to do this but it does like why is brad qualified for this i don't really understand that and that's i think that's something that I'll, you know this is yet another now people have made the transition obviously but that was a long time ago when the job was far required far less specialized knowledge i mean lawrence frank made the transition more recently and the the thing here i think that is key is that he's not trying to be the coach at the same time because everyone who has tried to do the coach and the president job at the same time with the exception of greg popovich uh has basically been their own worst enemy yeah and so i i do think that part is is helpful. So, I mean, they may have, you know, trying to see the glass half full here. I mean, between his people skills and his knowledge of basketball, I mean, they may have decided that, you know, he had those, he had those capabilities and you can get the other stuff in other places and indeed already had most of the other stuff already on their staff. So the, the interesting part to me is that, you know, this also requires a certain sense of being a poker player to me. And we just don't know anything about Stevens on that front. Yeah, I think he could be he can be pretty good at that. I think he's he's hopefully someone who I, I guess that what's going to be funny <laughs> is uh, we're going to find out which players on his roster Brad Stevens thought was good when he was the coach. <laughs> Uh, other than the evidence of who he played obviously too but uh jeff teague four years 50 million (laughs) dollars um but also as an aside how dare you say that lawrence frank had no front office experience after uh the incredible jobs that that he did uh writing reports for jason kidd (laughs) (laughs) how dare i overlook that 
transformative experience. Um, yeah, so I, I think it, one of the biggest points that, that you made that I want to get back to is this idea that uh, what their roster looks like and how much they are really kind of coming into a crunch now and that maybe that they there is an idea that there might have to be some kind of a retrenchment. Uh, to me, Kemba Walker, obviously, at $36 million for next year is a big target there. And perhaps mm-hmm. there is a team that might be looking to get him uh, and uh, offload some of their bad salary. But I that seems to be like uh, maybe they'll even would pay a little bit to get off of that. And if you can move him and take back you know, either moving him into a team's cap space or, you know, take back 20 million in salaries or so instead, then, then you're probably in better shape to re-sign Fournier and, and go forward with, uh, this type of group. Even if, again, you're looking at, or they could try to get off of Tristan Thompson at 9.7 million as well. That's yeah. another option. That, that, that does a little bit for you, but it's Kemba's deal. That's really the, the stick in the mud here. And, uh, that's going to be a tough one to move off. I mean, it's 74 million over the next two years. Uh, he has a player option, but surely he's picking it up. I, that That's just a tough contract to dig yourself out of. I mean, can you, can you at least do a deal to trade him for a $25 million guy? I mean, I, I, when I wrote about it last week, I floated Kemba for, float Kemba for Horford, I should say. So, um, uh, props to him. Uh, the but w- without moving off of that contract, they, their hands are so tied. Yeah, with I mean, because they are at the tax line with twelve players and their draft picks, without even trying to bring back uh, Evan uh, Evan Fournier, who I yeah. There's I mean there's they're six over. I mean they're you know that it's it's not even like they're at the I mean they're they're into it already and if you pay Fournier anything or do anything mid-level I mean you're talking about a big check at that yeah. point no it's a, it's and for a team that isn't necessarily going to be back in contention and so I, you know it would be nice if they could get a trade exception and kind of go into next year the way they went into this year um also I, I mean this it, it's pretty clear to me that this was not Danny Ainge's finest hour this season uh I think he has had a wonderful tenure overall but really kind of botching the Gordon Hayward situation playing poker with Mark Bartlestein that he was that Hayward would come back for the contract that they wanted not accepting the sign and trade from Indiana that that to me was a big mistake and then the thompson contract kind of doubled down on it yeah so uh I, I guess it's just going to be fascinating to see where they go, uh, who they're going to bring in as a coach as well. I think that that will be very interesting to see. And also whether, yeah, wh- whether yeah. the remaining people in the front office, whether they're all going to stick around. Uh, that's uh, definitely an interesting thing to watch as well here. Um, anything else on this or, or shall we uh, discuss everything else? <laughs> let's Let's discuss everything else. So we spent a lot of time discussing the Boston Celtics situation, John. And that means that it would only be appropriate for one Brad Stevens to be the Michelob Ultra President of Basketball Operations of the Week. Brad Stevens clearly was not having enough Michelob Ultra because he was not enjoying being a coach anymore. However, he believes that he will experience joy, happiness, enjoyment as the Boston Celtics President of Basketball Operations. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. And at only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, you will enjoy Michelob Ultra. Enjoy 
enjoyment isn't the end game it's the whole game i know that many of our listeners are just kind of starting out in life if you're buying a home you're trying to build some wealth starting a family so be sure to add securing your family's future to your to-do list by establishing a will or a trust at trustandwill.com you can set up your estate plan using their simple convenient and secure interface for as little as 39 dollars. you can nominate guardians for your children determine who gets your stuff and plan for future medical care all from the comfort of your home using a one-size-fits-all template that's not what trust and will is about their documents are designed by estate planning experts and customized for the state that you live in they've got live customer support seven days a week so if you're doing this uh, on the weekend you can still get some support they can answer any questions you have while setting up your plan for me it's not really something i thought that much about a, a global pandemic has a way of kind of changing your thinking in some ways so i encourage you to give it a, a try to trust and will get some peace of mind at trustandwill.com slash per that's trustandwill.com slash per you can get 10 percent off plus free shipping of your customized legal documents don't wait go right now to get 10% off plus free shipping at trustandwill.com slash per easy remember slash per because john invented it that's trustandwill.com slash per so uh, uh, where do you want to start what else has been on your mind here uh can we talk about Joel Embiid yeah I I had a feeling once it came out yesterday that they were gonna like do more testing and they didn't announce what it was that it was gonna be something along these lines which I guess is the least right worst news that it could be after finding out that that he had this injury (laughs) that it's something that he's going to like try to play on a small lateral meniscus tear is what's been reported but I I don't know I it's it's just it's rough for Embiid. He can never be healthy at the time they need to. And the one year that he was, Ben Simmons wasn't healthy. So it's just it's really it's yeah. a pretty big problem for for Philly, obviously. But I, I mean, like, do you think there's a chance he can get back to to being healthy? To being like like healthy yes. in this playoffs? Or yeah. So there's an interesting thread from uh, Jeff Stotts from In Street Clothes today. Um, basically mentioning the fact that Andrew Bynum played through an injury like this in the 2010 uh, playoffs, and, and not well. If uh, so that well, not well, and and yeah, and then the aftermath of that didn't go that great either. So it's maybe not the greatest omen, but it's something. Um, depending on how small the the uh, the tear is and the location that it might be plausible uh, for him to come back and, and play on it. But uh, man, I mean, when you're, when you're dealing with somebody who's already as fragile as Embiid, like how, how badly do you want to risk this if you're Philly and, uh, and if you're Embiid for that matter? Um, yeah, particularly, particularly so with it, uh, the Supermax on the horizon here for him that he could he could sign this offseason, right? Yeah, he can. Yeah, he could. Wow. Uh, yeah, you're right. I was looking at him still having two years left. But yeah, you can do that now. So he could. Yeah. And that obviously would be the I mean, if I'm him, that's the right play to just lock in, <laughs> lock in, you know, that kind of security as soon as you can. Yeah, this is a this. This to me is like. This to me is a decision that goes beyond just the trainer giving a green light to say he can play or he can't. This is a a franchise level decision that you need management and ownership all on the same page on the what the risk reward is and you know being really clear about what the potential outcomes are and and then choosing a path. And there's no there's no 100% right answer, but 
the the other thing, I mean, just basketball wise, I mean, how much is this going to diminish him if he comes, even if he's able to play on it? How much would it diminish his level of play, and what does that do for the Sixers' chances? I mean, you presume they could still beat Atlanta, probably, but against Milwaukee or Brooklyn, I mean, sheesh. Well, yeah, and so the two components there: the long term component, and the short term. On the long term, you mentioned Bynum, and that obviously didn't end too well. Some of these guys, whether it's coming back quickly from surgery or the well, he can't hurt it any worse. I'd never understood. Yeah, yeah. So he can't hurt it any worse was what I heard when Brandon Roy came back. Yeah, uh, you know, for that playoff game in Portland, and yeah. Um, so yeah, he can't hurt it any worse is a little red flaggy to me. Well, particularly on a meniscus and, and Blake Griffin in 2019 was another one of those never the same after that. And and who knows for some of these, you, you can never be sure, right? Like it could just be he'd be compromised regardless of if he had just sat out and gotten the surgery and never tried to come back. Mo Harkless was another one of those guys who tried to come back really early for, from the from the surgery. But there's also probably a lot of these guys too who are playing on these that you just, you know, it never gets publicized or, or something like that too. Um, you know, Jason Kidd was another yeah. one of those guys in, I think it was 04, uh, who had the same issue. Bobby Marks was talking about that on uh, Wind Horse Pod the other day. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a really difficult problem to me. I am, because, you know, flags fly, fly forever. Given their bracket and the fact that they have home court throughout the East, I don't know that they will ever have a better chance than this. But this is not Andrew Bynum. All right, I'm just going to be a big body, start the game, run up and down, stand next to the rim, try to get some offensive rebounds. Like, they need to run their offense through this guy in every play. He, yeah, he has to be the best player in the series for them to win it against yeah. Milwaukee or Brooklyn. So, I, I mean, I think probably my plan would be, obviously in consultation with you know how he's doing on a day-to-day basis, is get it back, see if you can get it back to the point where he's not experiencing any pain and it's not swelling up really badly you know, when he's doing workouts. And if you can get it to that point, throw him back out there and see how it feels after after one game and if and if ea he's not able to if he's not able to go out there and dominate then fuck it shut him down because you're not going to win anyway at at that point like if he's able to go out there and really be the guy okay then 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 it's worth it then it's worth the risk to me if he's just running up and down and he's going to be six out of 16 and not get into the foul line and he can't move on defense and he's just out there yeah there's no there's no there's no yeah, point in that. Yeah, he's I just out there because he's still better than Dwight Howard, even in this compromised position. Yeah, then forget it, right? So that, I, but I, I mean, what a bummer this is, though. Uh, honestly, uh, and yeah, it, it's just yeah. The, I'll point out one other thing. Four years ago, the Sixers announced that Embiid had a minor meniscus and was day to day, and he didn't. Again, the rest of the season and needing surgery. Yeah, that that was the Colangelo era. Uh, now, not not that Daryl. Different, different, different. Yeah, not not that Daryl would ever uh, be above obfuscating things for his own advantage as well in the media. By the way, remember the uh, the Carmelo Anthony rant. <laughs> Uh, yeah just just for one example yeah but yeah i mean honestly like if he can't play though i i would probably actually favor the hawks in the next round over them if he's if he can't go at all and maybe with the diminished Embiid and home court and and the defense that they have they could they could pull through but uh like trey young Mm -hmm. is not the guy i would want to be having to have joel and b guard in pick and roll when he's coming off a knee injury yeah absolutely yeah this is uh this is definitely a new 
a new wrinkle for uh for well, Philly. So, or or an old but, wrinkle, sadly. <laughs> With uh Yeah, um, yeah. Today on the road to the finals, our NBA playoffs coverage is brought to you by, of course, Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. And at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, we can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. All right. So yeah. let's uh let's talk about the rest of the playoffs here. You know, we like to just kind of go through, organize things. So let me ask you this here. Two, uh, two questions. Who has been the best team so far? And who would be your championship pick now? Obviously, we did this last week, but uh it's we got new information now. The best team has been the Milwaukee Bucks. My pick to win the championship is whoever wins the series between the Milwaukee Bucks and the Brooklyn Nets. And I change my mind every five minutes about who will win that series. Yeah, that's uh, well, let's, let's talk about that series now. Actually, I haven't had a chance to really sure. jump in on it too much, but it, you change your mind every five minutes about who will win that series. I think most people would favor Brooklyn. So why, why are you giving the Bucks more of a chance maybe than the consensus? So I will note that I'm largely in agreement with you on this being an all-time series. I kind of liked I kind of liked how Milwaukee looked when they played Brooklyn head-to-head. Like, I just felt like they weren't overwhelmed playing against Brooklyn's offensive talent and that Giannis was a really difficult matchup for the Nets uh, and that they could probably keep Brook Lopez on the floor a lot against them even. And, I, you know, losing DiVincenzo, I think, hurts more than people realize uh, because that bench is not deep. But I, I still think Milwaukee has to feel pretty good about this. Like, they don't they – don't, end up in these matchups that some other teams match up against Brooklyn, where it's just like, okay, well that's hopeless. Like this, this particular player has no chance guarding Harden or Irving or whatever. Like you just don't, you're just not going to see them getting those kinds of matchups unless the Nets can put fouls on them. Yeah. You know, I, I, I would also say that the Jeff Green injury to me is huge. I think that actually hurts Brooklyn more than not having yeah. DiVincenzo hurts Milwaukee. And I think Connaughton and, you know, maybe you can get away with one Forbes out there. We'll see uh, just how Milwaukee is going to try to match up defensively and do it with Lopez is huge. Also worth noting, though, that Milwaukee never faced all three of the big three on, on Brooklyn. So that's, Correct. Yeah. that's definitely worth noting. And Brooklyn still did beat them in that first game, which I think was probably the best analog for what this is going to look like. But how these teams guard each other, that is the big question to me of who the fuck is guarding Giannis on Milwaukee, right? I mean, you- right. Who 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 on Brooklyn has a chance against against Giannis? Who do they do they play DeAndre? Uh, who, you know, put him in this weird deep drop and try to bait Giannis into shooting threes. Uh, but then you're kind of taking a zero at the offensive end and you're letting Brooke Lopez just hang out at the rim the whole game if, if you play it that way. Uh, Jeff Green would probably be a, their most favored option, I would think, if everyone was at full strength uh, because he's big enough to take some shifts again like you could put him on Giannis and if he gets fouls on him it's not the end of the world but also he's able to play outside and open the lane for everybody and that that becomes a tough cover for Lopez and so I, I would think he'd be the first choice like I don't get super excited about Blake Griffin playing against them <laughs> I, I based on but Blake Griffin on Giannis <laughs> I, I don't no, see like Giannis like they're just I think they're just gonna have to double team I mean I think that's the only the, the only way to do it and just say you know try to say all right we're you're the first whoever's guarding Giannis your job is just to make Giannis make a spin move or a crossover and then we're gonna bring in the second guy as he's doing that move and try to draw an offensive foul or force him to pass it or something like that um 
you know, I mean, I think we will see DeAndre. We'll just have to because Nick Claxton, he's going to just get completely run through. He's way too thin. KD is way too thin. Same thing with Durant. Yeah. Same thing oh, with Durant, yeah, 100%. right? 100%. The, anytime KD is matched up against Giannis, Giannis has just gone right through him. Um, so, and are is Milwaukee still going to try and like switch and stay out of rotation? You know, that that's really interesting as well. I, I mean, I think you're, the Nets now did do a pretty good job against the Celtics of keeping them away from the rim, but obviously the Bucks are a huge rim team. Uh, the offensive glass is going to be another thing. Milwaukee completely destroyed Miami on the offensive of glass with Lopez really was more just playing inside. I, I mean, I guess, but you also have this Brooklyn team. They just put up the best offensive rating in a series that we've seen like since the play-by-play started <laughs> essentially like uh yeah. and against a boston yeah. team that's not like terrible defensively uh, as well and so if it turns into a three-point shooting contest you gotta kind of like the nets there a little bit but just the question is could the milwaukee bucks going up against this nets defense and like I can't think of a playoff defense on like a real contender that's been that's this bad, right? Like, can you think of any? I mean, I guess you would have to go back to some of those Cleveland teams, but they had LeBron. You know, when Le- like LeBron could at Na- least turn it on. Uh, Nash, you know, Nash Nowitzki in Dallas would probably be the, uh, the yeah, one. yeah on the. Uh, uh, but like they at least still. 2002, they 2003. Had, yeah, and that was like a 61-win team. They were playing zone that year. They had like a big center uh, at times as well. I can't remember. Was that maybe that was Eric Dampier? Uh, Dampier? Actually, that might have been. But that might yeah. have been before Dampier. That might have been the Rafe LaFrance era. Uh, <laughs> LaFrance, yeah, the LaFrance era, yeah, because they had the best offense of all time, like relative to the league, uh, and and they still like they only went like 50 and 32 or something and lost in the first round. Um, yeah, that, that was oh, oh, I can't remember. the they, last they had, Nash year. I think they were playing Dirk at center more. The 03 year, yeah. they were they actually, I think, were, were reasonably decent uh, on defense. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think of who else. You know, some of those Suns teams, maybe you could point to. Uh, but those teams were generally around league average, and they at least had Sean Marion, who was pretty good. Yeah. I mean, Amari and Nash. Yeah, Amari and Nash were terrible. Yeah. But, you yeah. know, D.A. was okay back when he was skinny for those teams. I would say those teams had a little more defensive talent. But, the, I mean, this is like this. I've, I haven't seen anything to indicate that this isn't the greatest offense of all time, though, right now. Like, I think they're better than the, than the right. 17 Warriors because they have Joe Harris to put around these three guys as well. That's the part that just kills it. Like, if you help at all, you're, you're dead. Or, you know, if they, like, if they, if they run action with, you know, Harris coming off a pin down and Durant's the screener, like you're not going to help. Right. So Harris basically gets a wide open three. Like there's just, they just have so many ways to score. I imagine the Bucks are going to start off at least in like a drop coverage. Like they're, they're not going to not start Lopez in game one. And maybe just if they can totally yeah. keep him off the rim and then just kill them at the rim, kill him in transition, kill him in the hustle stats, kill him on the boards that that could be enough get guys in foul trouble uh, as well so that you don't have all three of those guys on the floor kind of mess up their rotations a little bit and this is i i can't remember a series i was this excited for in just yeah certainly certainly in the second round i mean probably not since uh lakers spurs in 04 the or was it 05 with fisherman yeah that, that, was, that was 04 that, that's probably the last time we had a second Second round series of yeah, this or magnitude. it's a Sun Spurs 07. It would come to mind on that for me as well. Yeah, I mean that was uh, and, and that those only happened because they messed up the seating system for a few years. 
<laughs> oh yeah, no, that's right. Yeah, the Dallas San Antonio 06 yeah. series where Dirk got the three point play at the end that was, of the game. Yeah, seven. that was another yeah. unbelievable one yeah. too. Like, uh, um, oof. Uh, so, I mean, do you do you have a pick in that series? Have you not thought about it uh, enough? I, I'm not ready to make nine. Yeah. Oh, I've yeah. thought about it a lot. <laughs> I've thought about it a lot. I'm just not sure I have a pick. Uh, I, I mean. Brooklyn has home court advantage, right? So you give them a little bit of an edge there. Green may be back at some point in the series. DiVincenzo is definitely out. Um, Thanasis Antetokounmpo is out. And I actually think that may hurt a little. Like he could really be an option against Durant. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I could see him getting three fouls and three possessions potentially. <laughs> oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, no, I I really think the loss of Green helps because who in crunch time now who is your fifth guy if you're Brooklyn? That's so that's the thing I just haven't been able to get my head around. Like, do you go do you go Bruce Brown? Do you go probably Bruce Brown? Uh, but, yeah. But but then he can't shoot. So now you like because you really not having the ability to go five out at the end of the game. I think is a big problem for for Brooklyn. Do you do you play Shamit and just live with the carnage on defense? Oh man, Shamit is so bad on defense. So, and and I mean like he can't dribble either, but that doesn't matter if you have Harden and Kyrie out there. But yeah, I mean that could, that's your floor spacing option. I mean right? I probably like you know I would love to go with Claxton, but he's so inexperienced and like if Claxton just had like a little more strength. Um so you definitely don't go Blake Griffin. I mean, I think you got to just kind of cycle through these guys and, you know, Je- like Jeff Green, really, like what a loss it is uh, to not have him. They-, they also still have Spencer Dinwiddie on this team, too. Not that he's going to play, but like it's just th- they really are down some guys like it is just Irving Harden and Durant and shooting. I mean, and, and Joe Harris, like you're kind of Tyler Johnson, like to be kind of scrappy a little bit or, you know, do they dust off like TLC? Nice. Look, TLC. I was I was going to ask about TLC. Like they haven't gone to him, uh, but could he be an option? Like I, you know, Mike James. I don't really think he's an option. Uh, they're scraping the barrel here. What's yeah? Because I think that's for for that's a, what it's going to come down to is like how much can they hurt Lopez? And maybe you can just do it enough with KD and Irving coming off of screens and just shooting that that's enough. Uh, because Lopez is probably not going to get out on the floor in most of these situations. And you know if you can get into that Bobby Portis underbelly, then that really helps. Does Milwaukee just switch everything? with Tucker and Giannis do they try to go that route um that's really tough though because I, I, I came yeah. to this realization where, where you're like okay yeah the only way you can beat these guys is to switch right because you you just can't get over Harden will just carve you up in a conventional pick and roll defense and uh KD and Kyrie are just too good as shooters but what I realized in that Celtic series like you know how they're always like okay well we're gonna tire this guy out by putting multiple defenders on him what Brooklyn does is they tire out your shittiest defensive player by putting multiple offensive players on him right like so it's not Harden isolating yeah. on this guy every time first it's Evan Fournier has to guard Kyrie in an ISO then he has to guard KD in an ISO then he's got to guard Harden so like those guys are all fresh <laughs> while your shitty defender is getting even shittier because he's getting tired out <laughs> on, on every play yeah yeah that uh that could be a problem yeah I mean especially like you know when they go to the bench I mean con- Connaughton, I think, is at a, 
at a disadvantage, but when they go to Bryn Forbes, that's when it's really like, oh, okay. Uh, that's where Bryn Forbes and Landry Shaman are going to be really happy to see each other on the court, I think, this series. <laughs> yeah, well, until one of them gets switched on to somebody else. So they're just, I, I do think that maybe Brooklyn has a little bit of a coaching advantage, That, but the Bud did show a pretty good uh, ability to change up in the Miami series, but that was obviously such a blowout that you didn't, other than game one, you didn't really get to see that too much. I mean, I do think that this series could be a series that has a lot of blowouts either way, going back and forth, but will also end up being close. Yeah. If I go to my head right now, I would take the Brooklyn Nets just because they have so much talent and the offense is just so good. And I think we still don't quite understand how awesome that can be, but they are going to have times where they're going to struggle. Like those guys are going to have to dig deep and just have like unbelievable offensive performances uh, because like Milwaukee is just going to score completely at will. And they're just, this is, it's going to be the ultimate test of like size versus, versus skill. Uh, but Milwaukee has a lot of skill too. And they have such a massive athleticism and size. Yeah. Advantage. Um, so so Brooklyn, you think Brooklyn would be your pick too right now? Home home court advantage, I think, has to lean you toward defaulting Brooklyn unless you really unless you really strongly believe in, in Milwaukee. And I I certainly won't be surprised if Milwaukee no. wins this series, but I would go like sixty percent Brooklyn, forty percent Milwaukee. Yeah, and I think also Brooklyn just at the end of games should be able to be just a little bit more organized offensively and, and have a few more things that they can go to. Uh, but I mean, like all three of those stars are going to have to play 40 minutes like and they're going to have to like actually physically be taxed uh, on the defensive end. Yeah. Um, and not get injured. Uh, I, th- I think the one thing like Brooklyn's frailty, I think, hasn't been discussed enough. Like Harden and Durant both had serious hamstring injuries this series, this season, yeah. like fairly recently. And Kyrie Irving is Kyrie Irving. So the the odds of all three of those guys making it through all seven games of you know basically in every other day format there's they're going to be able to work in i think two off days in there uh or extra off days i should say because they're starting early but i mean that's going to be taxing another thing that's going to be a fascinating subplot is where do you put drew holiday i would actually say put him on Kyrie and just say we're going to try and just totally take Kyrie out of the series and then you know Drew after he challenges his shot can run down and get like a deep post up on him like I I think whoever whether Kyrie or Drew Holiday whoever outplays the other on that matchup this series I think that could be go a long way towards determining who wins it yeah I think you put I think you put Holiday on Irving for a couple of reasons first of all um Harden is better at drawing fouls and so you you kind of prefer to have Connaughton there I think and then Connaughton is really good at rear contests so like the way they want to play he probably has a better chance of bothering Harden's yeah. jump shot maybe uh when when he comes around that and even though you wouldn't necessarily choose to leave Pat Connaughton on an island one-on-one against James Harden uh so I I I will take yeah. my. Well, they could also that. put kind of they could put Middleton on Harden as well. They could put Middleton on Harden and put Connaughton on the Joe third, Harris. On yeah. Harris, that's um, true too. Yeah, because I because I think just your value added. Like I don't know that Drew can stop Harden and because Harden likes to work in pick and roll. They're going to play a lot of conventional pick and roll defense. So that's that's going to be really interesting. And then. 
but Kyrie wants to ISO, and so I don't think he can ISO effectively against Drew Holiday. Um, whereas Harden likes to ISO yeah. some too, but I'm just more more concerned about Kyrie's ISO game as a score than Harden necessarily. But it's it's a tough call. And then PJ Tucker, where is he going to come in? Also, you know, to see, I think he guards KD pretty well. And do you go big with Lopez, Giannis, and Tucker out there? Does is would that put Tucker on? You know, I guess KD then maybe could guard someone on the on the perimeter and like be more of a help guy it's i we're gonna see so many permutations it's gonna be awesome you don't need me to tell you the benefits of locker room because you're seeing it right here later in this podcast you can jump in and ask us questions live i've been just really impressed by the quality of the discourse on locker room i've never even been sworn at no, I'm, I'm kidding about that, obviously, but it's really, we get some great questions, really smart fans, just respectful, fun dialogue, whether you want to just lurk it and listen live or jump in it with your own speaker requests. It's a ton of fun to do. John and I, of course, do this at 2 Eastern, 11 Pacific every Wednesday. Danny LaRue and I have our own locker room on Tuesdays at 6 Eastern, 3 Pacific before the games start. That's just an hour-long one that's only answering questions from speakers. So it's just a, a ton of fun. You can download their free app now. It's currently available on all iOS devices. They even have an Android beta as well follow me at nate duncan nba you can be notified when my room goes live locker room changing the way we talk sport if the last year has taught us anything it's that we don't really need bricks and mortar stores anymore going to your local auto parts store really was not a good experience to begin with in that front area they never really had anything other than just totally generic stuff and then you would go to that desk you probably had to wait in line while the one person who was there at the counter tried to find the part that the person in front of you wanted and then finally when you got up there you'd ask for your part and they'd say oh yeah we can order that it'll be here in two weeks well great i could have just stayed at home and used rockauto.com got my part faster and saved a bunch of money changed stores at different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody and are reliably low so go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car and truck. You just put your make and model in there. Right locked on in there. How did you hear about us box? So they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. Okay, any any other sort of thoughts, big picture wise? Maybe we'll, we'll turn to the West now. Obviously things have changed since we last talked in that Clippers Dallas series. But would you, you know, I think you and yeah. I, when we thought, talked about it last week, we both had Utah going through and getting to the finals would you change that now i'm not sure i would i i still feel like we've seen enough warts from the clippers to make me wonder about a series against utah even yeah so you would you think you would favor utah in that series i still think i would favor utah i think that'll be that's that's another one that looks like a tough series like easily could go oh, yeah. seven games but yeah i uh i i think utah's got some advantages there i think I still think like like when the Clippers play small, like I still think Utah can hurt that, even if they're switching everything. Uh, just because I mean, Gobert's just so big. Like you're trying to keep him off the glass, and uh, I don't know. I still see some problems with that for the Clippers. Yeah, I think that could go either way. I did just there was about five minutes of 
one game between those two teams this year where it was the the Clippers went small against Gobert and they won it down the down the end and that looked pretty good so I don't want to overstate that but also like I thought their process looked pretty good but my bigger reason I think that I I would actually write as of right now favor the LA Clippers to come out of the West and hey I mean they could still lose to the Mavericks right like Utah's series is done yeah uh but it's just that Kawhi Leonard looks like an absolute beast right now like he he is getting back to being the player who he was you know in 2019 and he's getting to the rim and killing guys as well like that space like there's no way to stop Kawhi Leonard for the Utah Jazz with the type of spacing that the Clippers can put out there so I'm uh I, I that's what I think it would come down to I would probably pick that series as Clippers and six but again noting that it could easily go go either way you know that's kind of a 55 45 series and uh then the other bracket we've got like the injury bracket uh <laughs> yeah it's it's just really hard for me to see either any of those four teams beating the winner of utah and the clippers or you know if maybe dallas could still go through somehow i, I but i think they're kind of seems like the clippers have kind of figured them out a little bit yeah but we'll find out tonight we could be this could be all I, obsolete again i that's that's what i love about this shit i would i would agree i mean phoenix is probably the one that has the best chance they beat utah three times in the regular yeah, season yeah yeah actually phoenix um, against utah i might actually it but i mean are they ever going to be healthy that's the question well i mean yeah i mean chris paul looked good last night i mean but we'll he see re-injured he, it again, you know right I, did he but is it you know i guess we just have to see how how injured his re-injury is um are you surprised they're playing frank kaminsky instead of dario sarge no i'm not surprised yes i think it's a terrible move <laughs> let me let yeah let me rephrase that do you agree with the decision to now, play frank kaminsky? they're like matching him up with gasol now and in the first mm-hmm. and third quarter so that that he's not just getting trucked right at the start of the fourth but it's still yeah i don't really I, yeah i really like they're they've kind of like lost confidence in dario but he's also like he's making eight million a year for a reason and frank kaminsky got cut by the king um, yeah so and like yeah. charge is a better passer i think he's actually a better pick and roll offensive player even though neither of them are are amazing and i like charge better defensively even yeah. um yeah and sarge is definitely better at making layups so yeah i mean to me if paul but like this paul thing is massive like if he's the guy who was able to be the last two games before he got hurt again you know i i think they can close the lakers out in six because I, I don't think I don't think AD is going to be ready to play in Game Six based on the fact like he's yeah I would be but, I'd yeah, be surprised why, why would you be yeah. surprised just I mean based yeah. on the nature of the injury and just and I I mean groin groin injuries aren't quick but you know basically <laughs> is how I would sum it up so you can you can sort of feel kind of okay when you wake up in the morning but once you try to do something it's like right back or or if he or if he decides or if he decides to try to play he'll he'll last like three minutes yeah i think my general rule of thumb is if you suffer a muscle injury that causes you to have to leave the game you're going to be out for a week if not more and the hope kind of was all right he tweaked it a little bit he's already got this knee sprain let's just not let's just not risk it and just let him heal up because he just has too many kind of small things wrong with him but then watching him in that film before the game trying 
trying to do like a defensive slide, mm-hmm. like a very light defensive slide. And like he clearly, you could see from his face, he felt something when he tried to do that. Like that was not yeah. even like a real basketball movement. So like that, you don't heal yeah. up within two days from something that's causing you pain to even slide. Cause like when you were with Memphis, I mean, I know you're not a doctor, but like, do you kind of remember what like the return to play process was for guys with muscle injuries like that of just like how, what benchmarks they'd have to go through and stuff? Yeah. I mean, yeah, because you'd, you'd see him on the practice court first. So you'd know, like, okay, he's getting close. And you'd see them progressing through different things with the uh, with the training staff. And and they were real basketball yeah. things. Like, they'd be actually sweating, <laughs> right? <laughs> it wasn't like step take one step gingerly to your right. Um, so I uh, – I would, I would agree with your assessment. I'd be very surprised if he played again this series. Yeah, I mean, maybe they'll try and throw him out there for a game seven if they get there. And LeBron, like, he came out last night in, like, takeover mode, but they got down early so quickly that I think he, he ended up throttling it down. He missed some shots early, then he hit some threes later in uh, extended garbage time. Yeah, really. The whole half of garbage time. Um, yeah. The best, best thing that happened to the Lakers was that uh, – Portland Denver game. All right, we got about 15 minutes left here. Uh any coaching moves that have really stood out to you uh in this first round? Coaching moves that stood out to me. Well, last night obviously, right? Well, uh, go You know, ahead. I mean, there was a lot going on in that Yeah, there was a lot going on in that Denver Portland <laughs> game last night. The decision to foul up th- foul up 3 or not foul up 3, I think is much less ironclad than people realize. I mean, we studied this a lot and uh, other teams have too. And there's a reason that you don't see it executed universally uh, because there's there's more downside to it that people commonly assume. And your position is more favorable as a team up three than, than people think too. Uh, even though Lillard was able to tie the game, obviously yeah. these two instances uh, against Denver, but preceded by the way, by one of the worst calls you will ever oh, see. In no, the last wait, wait, wait the you're game. talking about the, the, uh, uh, the foul on Lillard. No, that was a hundred percent. Yeah, foul. absolutely. It was okay. It was, it was, it was possibly, possibly a, uh, and an arm bar on on rivers but granting the three shots well okay so so everyone i thought everyone missed this rivers makes contact like he didn't make any body contact right like that's because that's what everyone's looking for in that situation like that's typically what it is like the arm bar Mm -hmm. on the body Mm -hmm. uh dame is dribbling with his left hand he goes to pick the ball up moving his right hand towards the ball to shoot it and rivers hits his right Mm -hmm. hand as he's bringing it to the ball that's where the contact took place that i think a lot of people might have missed and so and that's like that's why dame had to kind of do that like because as you're trying to bring your hand to the ball then you're going to bring it start your jump at the same time and because he couldn't grab the ball as quickly that's why he had to kind of like grab it lower and then like double pump and shoot so uh for people who say that's not a foul i mean i think people just didn't see that like his arm his hand got deflected as he was trying to bring it to the ball i thought it was super close though on whether it was a shooting ball or not because he's bringing his hand to the ball like that is is that not part of the shooting motion i mean i the way they have called it is to make it kind of default a non-shooting foul so i i think i probably would have made it a non-shooting foul but yeah man it was close i I thought um but no i I mean that's a lot of people had the same take that you did but i I thought that people were just missing that part of it because if someone hits your arm as you're trying to go bring the ball go grab the ball to shoot it yeah that's a foul that's that's the yeah that's the lou williams special and so if that yeah if i miss that then yeah then that that would be that would be a common foul uh as they say um the 
I think all fouls are special and should be, you know, regarded in their own yeah, special well that, way. That's what, but I, I don't think calling them common fouls is that, good for that, their self-esteem. That's what John Goble, but that's that's another yeah, that's story for Goble another day. He, he he thinks that all all fouls <laughs> should be uh, should, should have uh, should be trumpeted in the in their own right. Um, well, and, and I guess what you can say is, you know, certainly when like Dame got inside the arc, and after on the second one, after he had already made a ridiculous one, they probably should have fouled. They also have a really good rebounding team you know if they're going to intentionally miss the free throw but part of maybe why you don't foul it was illustrated by the fact that hey they ended up winning right like even if they tie the game you still have a 50 percent chance of winning they're at home the Nurkic has fouled yeah. out they're out playing them I mean even after Dame tied it after the second OT I was like I like Denver here because Nurkic has fouled out they can't stop him uh and so yeah. I, I mean I thought Stotts had some foibles too like putting the skinniest guy that you have on Jokic rather than uh the stouter guy which is Carmelo if you're gonna go small that was that was a little weird yeah yeah you want to put you want to put Carmelo on him because then Covington's a help defender rather than Carmelo being a non-help defender right um and then you're not putting fouls on Covington either and uh you know the other thing Stotts did he took that time out right after the quarter three and I think he would have liked to have it yeah. later uh, I'm not sure it would have mattered anyway but they ended up driving the ball up with like 17 seconds left um, they really could have used that time out there yeah maybe so uh, they, yeah there I, I talked about it pretty extensively on Duncan Prime but yeah I mean that was there are a lot of interesting coaching things like putting Michael Porter Jr. back in the game to guard Dame at the end of regulation I mean well I mean it was he wasn't so weird yeah to guard right Dame, he took like, it there's no reason he or Jokic should have been in at that yeah. point yeah he took them out when Portland called the timeout to inbound the ball and then after one play that took three seconds and the replay review, he put them back in to defend basically the same thing. Like, I, I don't understand what yeah, happened that was there. really, really odd. Um, any other series, any other kind of moves, coaching things uh, that have stood out to you? Um, I mean, I guess I guess the one, the one thing for me is just Frank Vogel is just desperately searching for anything right now in his rotation. I'm surprised they haven't turned to Montrezl Harrell, actually. Like, they can't score. So I, I know they're going at him in pick and roll, but frankly, I mean, they, they, they're going out, they're going at Marcus and Andre Drummond too. And I, I just wonder if they're going to end up getting more out of this. If, if they end up just, especially in the non LeBron minutes, like I think you just have to have Harrell out there. You just never yeah. gonna score. And, and I mean, Schroeder has been so awful. He's three of 22 in the last two games. Oh, of nine in, in this game. Uh, when they basically like brought him in to be the second perimeter score and may- maybe the Schroeder and Harold pick and roll could help but they they haven't really gone to that much uh, this whole season um the other thing I thought I, I'm not sure that Harold is a, is a great option because it's kind of been a defensive series and I think like to me if you're gonna win you play unbelievable defense and get like just enough offense and I'm not sure that Harold I mean maybe you'd try him but uh I, like Kuzma to me is a guy who is just how it is that they're not like trying to make Make, make him more of a score and like running like yeah. ISO plays for him. Like, yeah, that's not efficient offense. You know, he's like 54% true shooting back when he was actually a, a guy who was asked to score a lot. But uh, if you've got, he's going to have a good matchup if you started him because you would have Schroeder and LeBron being guarded by Bridges and Crowder. So he can go at, you know, a Devin Booker or Chris Paul and you get him into that mid post, let him go to work. Like he's not going to kill the Suns, but he'll at least give you better than, you know, a 90 offensive rating or at least, you know, at least it's something to try right I, I think it's yeah. but 
it kind of like turned him into this weird like defender hybrid role player guy so i i, I don't know they got to find something some way to score tonight though maybe or, or i'm sorry tomorrow night that's maybe that's lebron being a little bit better they can't hit a three that's the other problem like that's another reason i think you know having like that kind of mid post iso game would be nice because you don't need as much spacing for that but yeah they could be in trouble here and they gotta maybe kind of hope that chris paul yeah. is not 100 percent, or they i think they're going home um any yeah yeah and i mean and honestly like <laughs> cameron payne's been better than chris paul in a couple of these games too yeah you know that like they, they their problems go are deeper than just chris paul yeah, I, think. I, I think you're right about that yeah the east that have haven't really had any big like coaching stuff uh, at all memphis utah i think has kind of played out the way we thought it would which is the jazz three-point shooting being too much and yeah 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 the grizzlies just can't just can't get the stops against them I'm a little surprised they haven't at least tried to play Tillman uh, instead of Valanciunas and uh, kind of change up how they're defending a little bit. Uh, but I'm not sure it'll matter. They may not. They may just at that point without Valanciunas, they may just not be able to score enough uh, at the other end. But you know, good good on the Grizzlies. Still, you know, it's been fun for me to watch. You know, Kyle Anderson's had you know. All those steals in the first game. Dylan Brooks has been tremendous. Uh, Jaron Jackson, these last two games, I think has been better, uh, which is a good sign heading into next year. So that part's been uh, really fun for me to watch. But yeah, I, th- I think it ends tonight. No, it's a, it seems like that's probably the case. But yeah, and, and I think for Memphis, it's just been, I think it's good for them to have this experience and kind of realize that if they really want to go deep, they need to, they're going to need to restructure their team a little bit. I mean, you're just, you're not going to be able with Jonas Valanciunas on the floor as important as he's been to their success and as good as he was during the regular season you just can't defend well enough with just a conventional pick and roll scheme with Jonas Valanciunas against like a good playoff offense like they need to in terms of building their team if they really want to go deep and maybe that's just not going to happen and they got time with job but uh they got to figure out some more defensive versatility and a lot of times too that comes yeah they need it they need another big wing too uh, you know, Winslow being unplayable, I, I think, is they, really they hurt the rotation this series. You look out there, at least, like at least, is he just so bad that they can't yeah. even give him like one minute out there? It was, it was, it was pretty rough. Uh, <laughs> you, you you do wonder that, sure, or or if not him, John Conchar maybe, um, who's at least a little bigger. But there, you look out there, and there's you know four six four guys out there sometimes, and it it's just hard for them to deal with it, and also. Like Morant not being good on defense, I think has hurt them too. Because what happens when they play those smaller lineups is Brooks is basically forced to guard Bogdanovich because Bogdanovich will beast anyone anyone else. So then that leaves Grayson Allen on Donovan Mitchell, and that's where things go off the rails, right? Yeah, but they can't score well enough. And if you're going to play Jaron at the four, then you're forcing Ja to guard Mike Conley as well. So that yeah, I mean they're they're and obviously Jaron Jackson Jr. becoming like a switchable five who can bomb it from all over the place solves a lot of their problems and then they can get a few more wings in and then maybe they're really cooking but jaron is uh he's a ways from being that player if if it's ever going to happen uh you know i mean i think he's i don't want to put him in our most disappointing players category necessarily because he is coming back from the injury but like he just he can't have these ridiculous fouls he's got to move his feet better and like his shooting's going to come back around again like i'm not worried about that part of it um yeah you know, i think he was, he's going to be solid again offensively but just getting to where they've tried playing him at center some in this series it's been mixed results yeah i actually think i actually think his minute 
backup this series yeah. and fine, but it's different playing backup five minutes versus playing starting five minutes. Like he's not going to be able to play as a starting five for at least a while. He has to get stronger and, and figure out how to foul less. And uh, he's rebounding a little more in this series, which is encouraging, but the rebounding is obviously way substandard. For I mean, a five he just never well. boxes out ever. He doesn't like his ass never makes contact with an opposing player. <laughs> like it's Or when he does try to box out, he ends up face guarding and just holding oh, the guy yeah, and yeah. picks up I fouls. Mean, Face guarding is just, I don't know why anybody ever tries that. Like, that's just an easy recipe for for a foul. Um, So, uh, yeah, any any other players that's really stuck out to? We got like three minutes left here before we're going to move on to some of these speaker requests in locker room. Uh, You know, it's just funny watching this Denver, like this Denver backcourt of just like random guys in in this series. and, you know, Austin Rivers, who they picked up off the street, is now guarding Damian Lillard in crunch time. And I mean, I mean, good on them. Like they've made the most out of it. Like Compazzo's actually been uh, fairly good in some of these games. But it's 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 kind of amazing. And, and somehow Monty Morris isn't starting ahead yeah. of these guys. That's the other thing that, that's kind of that's kind of wild. But uh you know they're they're making it work and if you know they can get to the second round and get uh get will barton back maybe then then maybe they have a chance at winning yeah, the next I, round the, too. the two big variables to me are denver's three-point shooting which i mean obviously they're getting wide open looks because they're so concerned about Jokic. but you know when denver is shooting over 40 percent from three in this series they win games and when they don't they you know, they don't look so hot and then the other thing is just the Nurkic foul trouble like when he's on the floor portland wins those minutes so it's just how much does he end up playing if you're hiring for your company what you need is help making your short list of quality candidates you don't need 500 candidates who just applied with no regard for what the actual qualifications are you need indeed instead you can post screen and interview all on indeed you can also use skill tests to winnow down the field of applicants and using Indeed overall will on average reduce the amount of time you spend on hiring by 27%. You only pay for the candidates that meet your must-have qualifications and you can schedule and complete video interviews in your Indeed dashboard. They've got over 130 skills tests or you can even add your own. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. So you're getting the high quality candidates, you're saving time and ultimately, getting the applicants that are right for you get started right now with a free 75 dollars sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash locked the name of this network get a 75 dollars credit indeed.com slash locked indeed.com slash locked offer valid through june 30th terms and conditions apply most protein bars are awful i like to work out i've tried basically all of them and before built bar i'd resigned myself to the idea that they're all gonna taste like a rock quarry but now with 18 amazing flavors the improved built bar is even more delicious there's six new flavors caramel brownie cookies and cream cherry bar sia lemon almond cheesecake carrot cake apple almond crisp of course there are classics like raspberry peanut butter double chocolate peanut butter brownie the bars are covered in 100 chocolate that makes a huge difference by the way they're soft and easy to chew but they're still great for the health conscious person for example peanut butter 19 grams of protein 180 calories 5 grams of sugar 5 grams of net carbs great for a keto diet 
And you can even get a free cooler with purchase while supplies last. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, well, that that was uh, yeah. fun here, but we got some speaker requests here for the next 20 minutes uh, or so. Hopefully everyone is still around. We're going to start with Alan and uh, just say hi, Alan. You don't have to ask uh, if uh, if we can hear you. Let's just, uh, let's get rolling. All right, we'll try and jump back in, Alan. Uh, let's get to Mike here mike uh mike jorbsy you're on how you doing mike <laughs> hey how's it going um so i'm a sixers fan uh talk me off the ledge here a little bit because like i'm i mean i'm thinking like it's time for process 2.0 ultimately like it doesn't seem like a bee's ever going to stay healthy sims is pretty disappointing harris is pretty blah like i mean like i know they're the one seed but it doesn't even seem like they're a true one seed if we're being honest it, it's uh the whole thing seems pretty bleak all right let me try to talk you off the ledge here so and and this injury for Embiid should not be a career all one okay so whatever happens this year he should be fine when they show up for training camp next year unless unless the sixers royally screw this up okay uh second thing is like you're you're still in position to maybe make some additions from here or or have some pieces that make the team better next year uh and i'm, I'm not just talking about paul reed here um but the the uh you know you're only out one future first right uh, and it's and it's not till 25. And so you, you have the ability to make some deals here and push some more chips in. Uh, you know, I think Hill's contract could potentially be interesting for that. Uh, they have some smaller numbers here. And then they, you know, when you look at like Maxi, Tybal, uh, like they have young guys coming up, which most teams in their position do not. So I think they can still be better than what they are now. Yeah. Did he at least get you to a, lo- a ledge on a lower floor with that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I definitely see the potential of a lot of the younger players. It's just more like the the big the basic building block of the whole thing is Embiid. And like it, it, it just seems like it's not even that it's uncertain. It's it's certain. It's just not certain. It's certain he's going to be injured when the playoff time comes around. So he was healthy like, the last two playoffs, wasn't he? Uh, he was healthy in 2020, not in 2019. He had he had like was that 2018? Yeah, he lost but he had, he had the broken face that year that kind of prevented him from from getting back in. Although that 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 one at least was just a freak injury. That's not doesn't necessarily go into injury prone. So my working assumption, uh, Mike, is that there's about a 50 percent chance that he'll be injured in some fashion during the playoffs. So uh, and and also, I mean, he's a really fun guy to watch. You know, I, I mean, it definitely, it's got to be rough though as a fan, you know, having gone through this as a Bulls fan with Derrick Rose before I renounced uh, my fandom. Uh, it was, it was definitely really tough after that first injury to just always be fearing that like something was going to happen. So I, I do sympathize with you. Um, the other thing John didn't mention though is the possibility of trading Ben Simmons. I think that's, that's something that they can look into and try to get some more ball handling, reduce the offensive load on Embiid until the playoffs come along that's something uh and B could also uh you know lose 40 pounds that that might help him a, a little bit like he's definitely you know try to get back to the level of athleticism that he had before just reduce the pounding like he's i mean having that weight might actually help his game in some ways but it could also you know i like i would like to see him like getting back to being you know looking more athletic so maybe that's a possibility i i don't know it's definitely but it, like you're that's just what it is for most teams right like you're i think the sixers at least have like somewhat of a chance you also have a great 
great general manager now, which you didn't have before. So I, I wouldn't be, it's obviously discouraging, but I wouldn't say that they're just like totally drawing dead going into, into the future here. So uh, thanks for that, Mike. And let us now get to uh, Kadar. Kadar, you're on with us here. Or are you, Kadar? All right, jump back in if you get a chance, Kadar. Let's get to Sergio. Sergio, you're on. You are muted right now and now you aren't. How, how are you doing, Sergio? Hi, hi. Hello from, from Portugal. Uh, I have a question for you. Uh, I, I see these playoffs as a, a, an open field and many uh, teams uh, uh, with uh, a, a real chance to, to win everything. Is there a, a possible uh, matchup-wise NBA final that ends in a sweep, in your opinion? Probably have to have an injury to get a sweep this year, I would think. Because I think it's just really competitive. I, I think most of these potential finals matchups, you're looking at six, seven games. I think it's possible that Utah Brooklyn could be a sweep. I, I think like Brooklyn could just overwhelm them. I, I think that's a possibility. But probably not though. I, I'm mostly in agreement with John. But like if if you said what is the one matchup that I think would be a big problem for for Utah, that's probably the one that would stick out to me. Because um, Brooklyn is still going to switch, which you know I think they could slow down Utah just enough. And Utah, like I mean, they just have to play conventional pick and roll defense against Brooklyn, which Brooklyn is just going to murder that so um that's the one that sticks out to me but i, I think mm -hmm. utah would win uh, at least a game or two uh, in that series um thanks for that question and it looks like we got uh kadar back in kadar are you there now kadar you jump back in come on we can do it i will give him like 15 more seconds here this silence will get edited out on the podcast yeah can, we're here how are you, you doing can kadar? Oh, good. Sorry, sorry about that. Uh, yeah, so uh, I wanted to just ask about a general question in the playoffs, where some things that I've been noticing maybe for the last like few years, where I mean, I I guess it's been talked about all over the place, but it just seems like all these fives are just getting like basically taken off of the floor. They're play they're being played off the floor, and so now I'm, I guess the general question is like, is it even worth drafting big dudes in the lottery anymore? Because you just know that all these plotting fives are just never gonna play in a closing five for you because it's 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 that and that uh, and that the replacement center is higher than other positions yeah i mean uh, it's like I it's, guess it's not that hard to sure. find uh, center. So, no this is a right? this is an argument that i've this this is an argument that i've had going back to before i worked in the media let's just say um so yeah is it worth it to draft centers and especially centers who are not sort of elite talents now, on the other hand, you can flip that over and argue, well, if you can get Nikola Jokic or Marcus Gasol in the second round, then hell yeah, it's worth it to draft a center. But I think, you know, with, especially when, you, when you're when you in, when you're near the top, you know, top 10 picks or whatever, like you're really trying to hit on wing talent first, because that's the thing that drives everything when you start looking at playoff matchups is having these guys between 6'5 and 6'8 who can defend multiple positions and handle the ball and create shots for themselves. Like if you got that, you are so far ahead of the game. And so to me, those are the players, the players with the chance to be that type of player should almost always be the ones that come off the board first, uh, unless there is some exceptional reason to take a player at, at a different yeah, spot. Kadar, I hear uh, the Warriors are, are looking to hire for, for their front office. You think, uh, you, think you, you could uh, jump, in, jump in there? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, uh, that, would be, that would be fantastic. I do have a quick job in Toronto, but I, I would definitely take that job if it was, if it was offered. I guess uh, the other question would be that, you know, I mean, the, the Clippers and Jazz second round is going to be really interesting to see whether or not Gobert is actually going to even play 
hey, well, is, is he going to? Oh, he will. But, yeah, one hundred percent. Like, oh, he will. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That, like the like yeah. the he can they can <laughs> hide him on Rondo. Like they can put him on Marcus Morris. I mean, they'll they'll probably give up some corner threes potentially. But uh, no, I mean Utah will. I guarantee you, uh, even with that issue, that Utah would be worse if. I mean, first of all, they don't even have a four like a normal four on their team who could like switch and stuff and be athletic. So there's like their their whole defense is predicated around Gobert closing off the rim. Yeah, we'll give up some shots from the outside, but we're going to try and at least force you inside the arc. And then, you know, he's got to run pick and roll on the other end too. So it's, uh, no, I mean, he, he's a great, great player, but you know, you do make a good point. I don't know that he's as valuable in certain playoff matchups and those are the matchups that he has to, has to face. Um, so yeah, th- thanks for that Kadar. And now let us get to Nico. Nico, you're on uh, with John and me. I was just wondering, there's all the talk about the Celtics today and watching the Mavs in the playoffs. Do you think there's any feasibility to a potential Porzingis Kemba swap like getting the Mavs off the money a year earlier and then Porzingis might have some val- some more value in a system like Boston uh, I can't really see that one happening um, the thing I thought you were going to say regarding Dallas is could we see a Rick Carlisle Celtics reunion be crazy yeah he I don't I think I, I don't think that, that that would surprise me it seems like he's pretty interested do, do you feel like his tenure in Dallas is like growing stale or something John uh, I, I guess I wouldn't be shocked if, if things went in a different direction there, let's say. That's, uh, that's very interesting. Um, yeah. Okay. That's, uh, I, I can, I mean, not having heard anything, but I can at least see why that would be the case, uh, that, you know, and honestly, like, there are some things that they could be doing better too. Like never, ever running a fast break is like a little bit of a problem for this team, but yeah, you know, it seems like Porzingis has been very frustrated there and, you know, I'm not sure when you have a star like Luca, I'm not saying I know anything about him being upset with Carlisle, but if you have a star of that level that the team is all in on, if that player decides he wants you to go in another direction at coach, it will happen. So the, the, there at least is just like a general yeah. kind of formula for that. And, uh, you know, Rick, Rick's, uh, Rick could be a little ornery at times. I, I've even uh, experienced that uh, myself once. Um, yeah, so, uh, that, that, that was an interesting, uh, interesting digression there. Yeah, Porzingis, I just, I would rather have Kemba than Porzingis personally, it, going back to Nico's uh, original question there, because A, the contract ends quicker and the same structural stuff that we're talking about, uh, in the, with, uh, Kadar's question last time is the case with Porzingis, right? Like, like Chris Tapp's Porzingis, all right, he can't guard Joel Embiid. He is completely drawing dead in any kind of a series against Brooklyn. That's a team that you're trying to beat. Uh, you know, maybe he's a little bit better in a Milwaukee series, but those are the three teams you you got to come up with. Like, he's just way too slow defensively at this point. Like, the Clippers are absolutely cooking him. So I think, like, he just, he causes too many problems for the structure of your team, even if you might want to say, all right, he's going to give us more, like, raw production or whatever than Kemba. And he might even be at a bigger injury risk than Kemba as well. So uh, thanks for that one, Nico. Uh, yeah. Appreciate that. And let's get to... Uh, Let's get to Nets World. Nets World. It is the Nets World right now. How's it going, guys? Um, 
Coming off the uh, Joel Embiid news earlier today, it got me thinking about uh, the way we talk about injuries in sports or like in the context of them. So my question is, uh, do you feel like we give enough uh, attention to uh, uh, acknowledging how injuries have affected, uh, you know, teams' performances or winning? Because, for example, a team like the Rockets this year, you know, everybody just says, LOL, the Rockets are bad uh, because they traded Harden and ignore the fact that so many of their best players were injured for much of the year where their record would have been much better. And if the Sixers go on to lose to the Hawks, I feel like people, you know, obviously right now we'll say it, but in a few years, everybody's just going to say, oh, the Hawks upset the Sixers and ignore the fact that, well, they didn't have Embiid. So what are your thoughts on that? I don't know. I mean, I think people are more cognizant of playoff injuries, actually. Like people don't say, oh, the Sixers upset the Bulls, right? In uh, uh, 2012 or whenever it was. Um, yes, was it 2012, Nate? Yes, it was. Sorry to, sorry to yes. trigger you here. Okay. Um, and uh, so I, I think I think there's more awareness of like major postseason injuries like that. I think the ones that are hard are like we lost in six and our third and sixth best players were injured. I think I think fans don't really forgive those, but I think those injuries kind of are more than more realized sometimes. And uh, I think where the narrative can kind of lose sight of things. But if it like if it beats out next round, nobody's going to be like, oh, my God, the Hawks beat the Sixers. I wonder how that happened. And, and like even years from now, I mean, people will be like, oh, yeah, that was a series indeed was out and like sort of discount. To me, it. I, I think, yeah, you, you hit on a good point there that, you know, it's not all right. Their best player didn't play in the series. Um, it's either your best player was really limited and you just you never know. You guys don't like to talk about injuries. You never know how limited the guy is. You don't want to take credit away for the other team for slowing him down you know the Steph Curry 2016 type of thing um or there's just all right your third best guy just was out you know and then you just were forced to play these guys who you know you didn't have good depth uh, and you ended up losing right so I think those but I I did a a whole podcast on this once uh, about four years ago where Danny and I went through and looked at uh, the injuries that kind of changed history you know that people just uh, forget about um and so like like for example one that you might talk about is like Kevin Durant breaking his foot in 2015 right like no one ever really talks about that anymore about like how that may have hastened mm-hmm. his exit eventually from Oklahoma City and how that was one of the big chances that that could have probably been their best team a lot of people were picking them so like those are sort of the ones that like the ones that happened during the season and then it's just like all right this guy just isn't available for the playoffs and this team just isn't good you know people kind of forget about those a lot too so um yeah, that's a, it's I think it does kind of get lost to history if it's not just like the super obvious all right your star didn't play and you got swept or something like that. Um all right, we got time for we'll try to get two more here. Uh yeah, in the comments uh Noah Tim Duncan in 2000. That's like a perfect I- example of that. Um Yeah. All right, let's see here. Give me some more speaker requests. Let's go with Chester. Chester, how are you? Uh, Yeah, I'm good. Uh, I wanted to ask, what do you think would happen if the 2019 Raptors were in this playoffs, say like up against Philly as they were then, uh, and Embiid wasn't injured? How do you think they'd match up with Philly? Would they be the favorites in the East? How would they match up with the other two teams? I think they'd match up better because Jimmy Butler isn't there and he was the Sixers' best player in that series. Um, or for stretch, I shouldn't say that. Embiid was really good too, but he was sort of their go-to guy in the half court for a lot of that series. I mean, Philly has more shooting right now, uh, and it would be interesting to see Danny Green match up against Danny Green. Uh, but uh, 
I I still think I would take. Yeah, Toronto. I think I would. I think, think Gasol Nate? is one of the few guys. Embiid is better now than he was then, but Gasol really kind of locked him down in that series. Even though the plus minus was really good for Embiid in that series, you know, he really didn't have many great scoring games. I think Gasol could slow him down pretty well. And also, I mean, the other the other guys just flying around. Um, you know, would Ben Simmons be able to do a better job on Kawhi Leonard now than he did back then? Maybe. Um, but I also would expect that Toronto team to shoot a lot better that's part of why i picked them the next series against the bucks was because i think everyone was really down on them because they just couldn't hit a three in that series i think if you re-ran that series it'd be better i mean now toronto that toronto team against this milwaukee team or against this brooklyn team that toronto team guarding this uh this brooklyn team would be amazing like i i actually think that toronto team is going to go down as one of the more underrated champions of the last 20 years because of the fact that you know the warriors ended up uh getting injured against them and they only were together for one year so they kind of didn't really have a chance to solidify in our memories but i thought that was just a wonderful Mm -hmm. defensive team like that is one of the best playoff defenses that i've ever seen that was just a great great team although i will say they almost lost that won that series battle bound with missing one of the games yeah and, and they barely beat the bucks in the next round too so I mean that was that was just an epic Eastern Conference playoffs that year. But you know I do think that their shooting luck was just really bad in that Philly series, and I think that they that kind of if they had just shot it because I mean, you saw the way they shot in the next series, if they just shot that way uh, in the Philly series, I think they would have won that a little bit more comfortably, <laughs> perhaps. Not that that Philly team wasn't really really good. Also, um, okay, we got a chance for one more here, and let's get to uh, uh, Angel here. If that's how if that's how you pronounce. How are you doing, Angel? Hi, uh, John. I have a question. So, Luca's shooting splits are 48.6 field goal, 40.9 three-point, and 40.6 free throws. Have we ever seen anything like this, him struggling from the free throw line? This is, and can, it's, can it, we explain it? Yeah, it's the Bruce Bowen, right? I mean, the Clippers actually need to start talking about whether – Hakaluka makes sense in some situations because I think, you know, not only the percentages are what they are, but when you start screwing with his head a little, like I, I think you maybe get an edge there. So I, I think that's a really interesting discussion. The Dallas free throw thing has been fascinating because those first, even those first two games, and they were absolutely cooking the Clippers in every other respect, they were leaving so much money at the table at the free throw line. Uh, and I'm not really sure what's going on with Luca's free throw. I mean, I want, I wonder if for some reason that, you know, thing in his neck is affecting his free throw more than his uh, shooting on the move. But it's really bizarre, right, to see somebody who can who can shoot so easily uh, from other situations just struggle so badly at the free throw line. Like Bruce Bowen is the only other guy I can think yeah, of. Like well, that. and Bruce Bowen, you know, he was just so low volume from the free throw line. And he also wasn't he wasn't a natural shooter, right? Like he would take three corner threes a game or or, or whatever. And also, like, usually when they'd go to the yeah. hack of Bowen, he would start and, to hit him. It was just kind of more of a he got fouled so rarely, I think. Whereas like a guy shooting threes on this type of volume. I mean, the only other one that comes to mind for me would be kind of what Russell Westbrook has gone through the last couple of years not that he was ever a great shooter but he could at least hit mid-rangers okay and he was at one point like an 80% foul shooter 
Um, Andre Guadala maybe would be another one where he had uh, he would was a good foul shooter earlier in his career and then didn't go there as much and was kind of scared to get fouled late in his career but a guy with this type of volume in the same series shooting as well from three I can't ever remember anything like that happening now if I tried the hack I think I would do it like you know let's just do it once a quarter as opposed to just continually doing it because then he could like get into a rhythm you kind of want to just but I, I think I would just play him straight up and just feel like hey you know what like if he beats us then we've always got the option of following him and hoping that he makes some free throws so maybe you just say hey if you're beat we're gonna just follow you we're, we'll be more liable to follow you potentially rather than going to like a straight hacker but i think that would be the way i would approach it right or, or if the mavericks or if the mavericks ever ran a fast break you could take a euro foul right and, and do the same thing yeah really uh okay well thanks thanks for that one and thanks so much uh, for listening here uh want to remind everyone that danny and i are actually calling games live on this new app called hot mic you basically just fire up the app and you can sync our commentary with your tv it listens to your tv and then we just basically become your announcers once it syncs up it's really incredible technology we're doing clippers dallas tonight and we'll definitely be doing some of those games on saturday as well whether it's nets bucks game one or one of the game sevens also so really looking forward to doing that uh have a bunch of people join in us on on uh hot mic and uh john what have you been writing about lately for the athletic yeah um i wrote about uh post-mortem on the miami and boston uh eastern conference finalists last year and only won one playoff game between them this year and where you know where they can go from here how they got in this mess uh and uh did a little something this morning on the news out of boston uh as well and uh before we go i do want to have uh one uh uh somber note here uh uh r.i.p to rick bonnell the longtime charlotte hornets beat writer who uh passed away uh last night i guess um and uh was really uh, a wonderful and enthusiastic uh friendly helpful guy uh to everyone on the beat and obviously had more institutional knowledge about that team than anyone on the planet so a big loss for the nba community and uh we're sorry to lose him with the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com/activecash. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.